1: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, Hartford, Connecticut. To Controller's Office, Delaware Mutual Life Insurance Company, Wilmington, Delaware. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Walter Patterson matter. Mm-hmm. Expense account item one. $78.14. Fair and incidentals between Hartford and Wilmington. I arrived at 2.30 in the afternoon, found a room at the Chesapeake Hotel... Stowed my luggage and went directly to your headquarters, Mr. Elgin. Of course, reports like this cross my desk every so often. If I ran them all down, I'd get nothing else done. And ten times out of ten, the report's wrong. Yes, I know that, but this report bears investigation. I can remember three years after my father's death, I saw a man on a subway train to New York who... Well, he looked exactly as I remembered my dad. I finally walked up and asked him his name. The minute he spoke, I lost the impression altogether. I think a lot of people have had that same kind of experience at one time or another, don't you? Yes, I suppose so. We all have a double somewhere, they say. An old friend saw this man, Patterson? Yes, in Tucson, Arizona. Her name is Virginia Collier. I'd have her here now to talk to you, but unfortunately, she's route to Europe. I see. Two weeks ago, Mrs. Collier stopped off in Tucson on her way back from Los Angeles. She claims that she saw Walter Patterson as big as life sitting in a bar at the El Conquistador Hotel. Is that all? No, she managed to talk to him. He told her his name was Euler, William Euler. Mrs. Collier says he pretended not to know her at all. Uh-huh. Now, here's the first point, Dollar. I wired authorities in Tucson to run a check on William Euler. In their conversation, Euler told Mrs. Collier that he'd been born and raised in Tucson. But from all we could gather, he'd never bought property or made a financial negotiation there until June of 1947. Oh wait... This uh, Mrs. Collier, do you consider her reliable? Well, that's another point. If it had been anybody else, I don't think I'd have bothered uh, making even a cursory check. But Mrs. Collier practiced law here for a number of years and sat on the circuit bench for two terms. She's most reliable, and she knew Walter Patterson all of his life. Okay. Go on. The next thing is that Mrs. Collier distinctly remembered Patterson's limp. He was a pilot in the war. One leg was about half an inch shorter than the other from injuries he received in a crash. Mrs. Collier said this man, Yoler, had an identical limp. Well, with the similarity of features, it would be easy for her to imagine that part, don't you think? Ah, yes, yes, I know what you're driving at, but there are some other things, too. Mrs. Collier asked Yoler if he'd ever gone to Amherst. That's where Patterson went to college. Yoler denied it, said he was a Notre Dame graduate. That didn't check out either. Now, we can assume that William Yoler merely looked a great deal like the late Walter Patterson and told some inaccuracies in a conversation at the bar. Or we can assume that he's really Walter Patterson, covering rather badly in the face of an old acquaintance who recognized him. At any rate, this is Mrs. Collier's entire statement, duly notarized. All right. Now, this is a copy of the original policy on Patterson. How long with this company? Since 1936. Started with two $5,000 policies and built up to a master over a period of years. I see. Here $20,000. Patterson was killed in a plane crash, and we paid double indemnity on the accident clause. Oh. It happened in April of 1947. Patterson took off on a rented plane one day and crashed offshore down the coast. Part of the plane wreckage was recovered, but his body was never found. The appellate court declared him legally dead after the usual three-year waiting period, April 5th, 1950. Patterson's lawyer uh, filed claim for the widow April 17th, and we issued a full check April 30th of that year. Investigators' reports? Uh, Right in this folder. Now, this is the last picture ever taken of Patterson, and these are his vital statistics. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't know exactly uh, what you'd want to do first, so uh, I thought they might prove helpful. If we had a body to exhume, it could all be handled rather simply. Is Patterson's widow the beneficiary? Yes, Gloria Ann Patterson. Uh, incidentally, uh, she knows nothing about this report yet. Oh? Well, where'd these things come from? Pictures and fingerprints aren't stock material in insurance files. Uh, Mr. Brennan, Patterson's lawyer, gathered them for me. He's been very helpful. Oh. Has Patterson's widow been checked? As far as the money goes, she simply banked it in a savings account. Hasn't been touched at all. Well, on the face of it, that would eliminate the probability of any fraud on her part. For yes, the moment. it would. Well, I want to look this all over. Sure. Uh, You'll keep in touch with me, won't you? You bet. I spent the remainder of my day in and about Wilmington talking to the principals connected with the plane crash death of Walter Patterson. Number one was the radio operator who'd spoken to him last. Number two, a mechanic at the flying field. And number three, Lieutenant James Craigson, Coast Guard. Who had conducted the search in the bay, see attached statement. We both agreed that an unreported rescue was possible but highly improbable. And when I left for Tucson that night, I was more or less convinced that all I'd find there would be a lot of desert sunshine. <laughs> Expense account item two: two hundred and two dollars and twenty five cents, plain fare and incidental expenses from Wilmington to Tucson. I settled for a motel room out by the veterans' hospital, slept six hours, then looked up Sergeant Tyler at the police station. Yeah, sure, Mr. Tyler, What can I do for you? Well, Mr. Elgin said you sent him a little information on William Yoler. I wonder if you have anything to add to that, Sergeant. No, nothing much. Of course, I don't know what you folks are driving at exactly. I just checked up on him a little bit. Well, he resembles a man who's supposed to be dead. And that's why I'm here. I I see. Well, there's nothing much I can add to what I sent Mr. Elgin, Dollar. Yola's never been in any trouble around here. Gets along fine. You were the one who checked out the residency business? Yeah. According to Vitals, Yola wasn't born in this state, and I, like I said, no one knew him around here until five years ago. What does he do? Nothing. Always seems to have plenty of money. Bought a nice little house out in Sierra Vista. Paid $42,000 for it. Is he married? No, lives alone there. Putters around with clay and painting. You know, if he flies. I couldn't tell you that. He might. How about his friends? Lots of them, Mr. Dollar. Little town like this, you get to know people fast. Really, you folks might be spending a lot of money for nothing. Will Yola do not seem like the kind of fellow who's hiding out from anybody. Yeah, I agree. But I'll have to talk to him anyhow. Yeah. Here's his address. Sure, pretty day, isn't it? Hmm. Sure is. Yo, Who are you? My name's Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. Oh. Uh-huh. Well, come on in. Oh, thanks. Take a chair. Anywhere.
2: Now, what's... What's, what's on your mind?
1: Oh, I'm just making a routine check, Mr. Yoler. I thought perhaps you could help me. No, what about? Well, I'm running down a report in the home office. Now, tell me, do you happen to remember a few days ago when you were out at the El Conquistador Hotel... Out there all the time. What about it, I steal something? No, uh, you met a woman named Carlier. Did I? Yes, it was at the bar. You had a drink with her. Uh, I might have.
3: Uh, I still don't understand. Oh, well,
1: I know it seems confusing. Uh, maybe this will help. Take a look at this. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll admit you look a great deal like the man in the picture. Yes, I suppose you
3: do? I'd be darned. I, I, I'd do with that.
1: Well, that's why I'm here. You see, the company I represent insured the man in this picture for quite an amount of money. He was lost in a plane crash five years ago. The Mrs. Collier who saw you here thought you were him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not. Oh, I, I wasn't in the Army.
0: You
4: want a smoke?
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah. She was a lifelong friend of the man, Mr. Yoler. I have her sworn statement about the identity. Well, what years did you go to Notre Dame? I didn't go to Notre Dame. Uh, what is this? Well, that's what you told Mrs. Collier. Oh. Uh, oh, now I remember that woman. Well, that was,
3: um, on Sunday. Yeah, well, I, I might have told her anything, Mr. Dolly. You know, she was one of those inquisitive kind. I never could make out what was on her mind. Oh, now I get it. You, uh, she thought that I was this man.
1: Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, did you go to college? Yeah, yeah Tulane. I got out in 36. You haven't lived in Arizona all your life. Where else have you lived? Mr. Uh, so, I don't want to be unpleasant, but do you have any right to uh,
4: ask me questions like this?
1: Well, no, I don't. But you'll help me a lot if you'll answer them, Mr. Yoder. All right, why not? Well, I've lived in Cincinnati, Buffalo, around the country. I came here a few years ago for my health. I got a little asthma that bothers me. Ever been married? Yeah, once, 1944. It didn't last very long. Anything else you want to know? Well, are you in a hurry? I can come back no, later. No, no, you... not exactly. I, I've got to go downtown today, that's all. Look, uh, you seem
3: like a nice enough guy, but it makes me uncomfortable answering these questions of yours.
1: Well, and I appreciate the time you've given me already, Mr. Yoler. Please understand, it's just a matter of identity. Well, you know who I am. I just told you. Mm, that's true. i uh, I don't like this business much.
3: Is there any way that we can eliminate it? Uh, I have a birth certificate and some other papers. You can have them. Make photostats if you like. Well, that's
1: very kind of you, Mr. Yoder. Well, they're
3: in my safety deposit box on at the bank. I'll get them for you this afternoon.
1: Okay. Uh, My job is to check them. Sure. Sure. It's okay by me. How do you like Tucson? Well, it's a lot different from Connecticut. Yeah, I'll bet. The uh, birth certificate and whatever else you have will help a lot, but wonder if I could ask another favor. Sure. What is it? The most positive identification would be fingerprints. Oh? Uh-huh. See, Dollar, I'm not so much interested in who you are, but simply in proving that you're not Walter Patterson. If you volunteered a set of prints, it would save me a great deal of digging around. Could you drop in at the police station? <laughs> Certainly, Mr. Dollar. Why not? Well, that'll be fine. That's all right. Nice meeting you. Same here. <laughs> If he was trying to cover something, it certainly wasn't apparent from his conversation or his actions. He was almost too anxious to help me. By five o'clock, I'd made reservations to return to Wilmington because the set of fingerprints he attached, which Mr. Yoler made at the Tucson police station later that day, in no way matched the right thumb and index prints recorded in your file for Walter Patterson. In short, the report seemed erroneous. William Yowler might not have been William Yowler, but he certainly was not Walter Patterson. Johnny Dollar.
3: It's Will Yoler, Mr. Dollar.
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks for the prints.
3: Dollar, I- I've got to talk to you. Something wrong? Plenty. Do you know how to get to the Arizona Inn?
1: Well, I can find it.
3: All right, I'll be there in 20 minutes.
1: With the tone of his voice, I felt compelled to get there in half that time. I sat down at the bar and ordered a drink and waited for him to show up. An hour later, I was still waiting. I called his house three times and received no answer. I began to get worried. Finally, I left word with the bartender and took a cab out to his house. I arrived there at 8.35. There were no lights on and apparently no one around. I walked up to the front door and found it partially open. Yola? Yola? Mr. Yoler. Operator? Give me the police, please. One moment. Sergeant Tallisby. Johnny Dollar, Sergeant. Hi, how's it going? Thought you were leaving. Not for a while, Sergeant. I'm at Will Yoler's house. He's been murdered.
3: Turn to yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Every Saturday on CBS Radio, Theater of Today brings you fresh, gripping drama, well acted stories of human relations. Sometimes it's comedy, sometimes serious. Always, Theater of Today strikes a chord of response in listeners who readily identify the stories with their own experience, past or present. Remember to hear Theater of Today every Saturday in the daytime on most of these same CBS radio stations. Now, with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Turned out to be a long night. Sergeant Tyler and several homicide officers arrived at the murder scene within a matter of minutes and got right down to the matter at hand. The owner had been beaten to death. There were signs of a violent struggle having taken place all over the house kitchen, bathroom, living room. As far as the police could determine, nothing was missing. The motive, the name of the killer, and any probable suspects were all up in the air. As Sergeant Tyler drove me back to my motel room. The whole thing's a mess, Dollar. You sure he didn't say anything else to you on the phone? Just asked to meet me. I'll admit he sounded frightened and worried about something. But I don't get it. Our business was all finished. He wasn't the man I was looking for.
2: You are going to be around for a while?
1: Well, if I can help you, I'll stick around, sure. Otherwise, I'll get back to Wilmington as soon as I can. I'd like to have you around for a day or two. You have a particular reason, Sergeant? Yes, I do. What? I want to find me a killer, and I think you can help. Nobody walks into a man's house, fights with him, breaks up furniture and lamps, beats him to death without making a lot of noise about it. Well, the wind was pretty strong. And I don't care if a hurricane was blowing People fight like that. There's always noise. Somebody heard something. Somebody saw something. Somebody saw someone. My men will cover every house in Sierra Vista. They have to to turn up a witness. Bound to be somebody somewhere. The dogged Sergeant Tyler turned out to be 100 percent correct. In fact. correct. For by 11 o'clock the following morning, his men had located three different people who had information about the brutal murder of William Mueller. One of them, a Mrs. Lucas, gave us what turned out to be our best lead.
2: I take a walk every evening after dinner. The nicest part of the day.
1: And you were out walking last night, Mrs. Lucas?
2: Yes. I told the officers everything.
1: Would you tell us, please, Mrs. Lucas?
2: I walked past Mr. Yoler's house on my way down the arroyo.
1: What time was that, Mrs. Lucas?
2: Between 7.30 and 8. And I saw Mr. Yoler standing in front of the house talking to this man. I spoke to him, and he spoke to me.
1: Can you describe the man he was talking to?
2: Yes, I saw him very well. He was a very large man, bigger than Mr. Yoler. And Mr. Yoler always struck me as a big man. Uh, Go on. This man was a good two inches taller... He had on a top coat, a tweed one, and he had his hat in his hand. His hair was red.
1: How old, would you say?
2: Not over 40.
1: Have you ever seen him before?
2: No. I noticed him when I walked by on my way down the arroyo, as I said. And then when I was coming back, I could see through the window, and he was still there.
1: Were the lights on in the house?
2: Oh, yes, in the living room, and the porch light was still on, too.
1: Would you know this man if you saw him again, Mrs. Lucas?
2: Well, yes, I would. I'm sure I would. He was so big.
1: Was there a car out in front of Mr. Yoler's house?
2: I didn't notice one. That could have been.
1: Was there a bus service that
3: runs up there? Oh,
2: no. Everyone who lives in the Arroyo has to have a car. No buses up there at all.
1: Sergeant Tyler issued an all-points bulletin according to the description given by the witnesses. In the meantime, his men checked the local cab companies and found out that one of the drivers had carried a fare to William Yoler's house at 6.30 the previous evening. The cab driver verified Mrs. Lucas's description of the suspect and the important information that he had picked up the suspect at the airport. When that was checked, it was found a man had arrived on a plane from the east at 5:45 in the afternoon. He had used the name Roger Bales, but except for a strong case against him, the whole thing was still very confusing from our point of view. Expense account item three: six dollars and50 cents. Long-distance telephone charges to your office. Well, I'll be darned. You have to stay there? Well, they've asked me to, Mr. Elgin. Well, as far as the insurance company's concerned, it's really none of our business, is it? That's right, Mr. Elgin. If I'm going to... Dollar. Oh, hold on. Yeah? Answer from Washington on your wire. Oh, yeah? Here, let me see. Mr. Elgin. Yes? It is our business, after all. Huh? The War Department has a better sample of Waller Patterson's prints than you gave me. These, check out. Uh, slow down. I still don't understand. I wired a sample of Yoler's prints to the War Department this morning for a positive identification. They just answered me. Yoler was Walter Patterson. Uh-oh. Where did you get those prints that were in the file you gave me? Uh, Mr. Brennan. Patterson's lawyer got them for me. From a pilot's license. Uh-huh. I'd better call Mr. Brennan. Oh, don't you dare. Well... What can I do to help you, Dollar? Don't open your mouth. I'll handle it when I get there. Expense account item four, $42.85. Expenses while in Tucson. And item five, same as item two, traveling expenses from Tucson to Wilmington. I arrived at 10.15 in the evening, called you, obtained lawyer Brennan's home address, and went directly there. The house was English, conservative, expensive. And the fire in the living room looked cheerful when the door opened. Yes? Good evening. I'd like to see Mr. Brennan, please. It's rather important. Uh, My name is Dollar.
5: Bob's been ill for the last two or three days, Mr. Dollar. He's up in his room reading now. If you're sure it's important, I'll disturb you. It
1: is, Mrs. Brennan, very important.
5: I'm not Mrs. Brennan. I'm Mrs. Patterson. What? Is there something wrong?
1: Oh, no, no, Mrs. Patterson...
5: Nothing Come here, Mr. Dollar. You'll excuse me, please. I'll see if he can see you.
1: I watched Walter Patterson's widow disappear up a column stairway. I hadn't been ready to meet this attractive, well-groomed woman. But after I had met her and seen her for that brief moment, I was partially prepared to meet Robert Brennan, attorney at law. Mr. Dollar, Bob. Oh, hello, Mr. Dollar. <laughs> You're a late caller? Yes, I'm sorry about that.
5: Uh, Bob, I'll run along. It's almost 7. All right, dear. Good night, Mr. Dollar.
1: Good night, Mrs. Patterson. Brennan, I just flew in from Tucson, Arizona. I'm an insurance investigator. Oh.
5: Well, good
1: night. Uh, Gloria, you'll be interested in what Mr. Dollar has to say.
5: What? I don't understand, Bob.
1: Let's go into the living room. Come on, dear. Are you sure you want Mrs. Patterson here? Yeah. Gloria, I didn't get these bruises falling down a flight of stairs. I got them in a fight. What? I flew to Tucson the day before yesterday to see Walter. Why? Yes, Walter's been alive all this time. Bob. This is only for her benefit, Dollar. I'll tell it just once. When you get me in court, it'll be different. How did it happen, Brennan? Gloria Walt didn't die in that crash. He was picked up in the bay by a fishing boat on its way to Florida. The first port they came into was Charleston. He phoned me long distance from there and told me all about it. This was ten days after we all thought he was dead. Gloria, it was his idea. You've got to believe that.
2: What was was
5: his idea? He hated
1: you. You know how often he asked you for a divorce? It was the idea he had when he phoned me from Charleston. He said it was his chance to get away from you. He knew how I always felt about you, and he said I could have you for a price. You've been supporting him wherever he's been since then? 25000 a year, regular monthly payments. I could afford it. I could afford anything for you, Gloria.
5: Did he tell you he hated me? Did he?
1: He just wanted to be away from you, from everything. The war changed him that way. Uh, About the day before yesterday, a man at the insurance company called up making inquiries. I didn't know if he'd sent an investigator out there or not, but I gave him a lot of information and material that, well, it should have helped throw you off. It threw me off, all right, especially the fingerprints. Mr. Dollar can tell you, Gloria, how Walt didn't want to be here, would you? Isn't that right, Dollar? Didn't he do everything he could to make you think his name was Yoler? Uh-huh. You see, Gloria?
5: Where is he now?
1: He's dead, Mrs. Patterson. Truly dead now. Oh. That's all I had to say, Dollar.
5: You've fought with Walter. You killed him.
1: It was him or me, Gloria. I... He phoned me two days ago and said that the police had been checking on him. I told him what it was all about not to get scared, but he was scared, and I got a plane the first chance I had. What did you argue about? Apparently, you'd been there that morning. He was going to tell you the truth and claim he had amnesia. He said he had a date to meet you. He didn't answer my question. What do you mean, I didn't answer it? I just told you he was going to blow the whole thing.
2: Oh, Bob.
1: All I wanted out of this was you, Gloria. He didn't want you. I did. Last week, you said you decided to marry me. It took you five years to decide that. And it took him one lousy afternoon to decide he was going to come back to you. I realize that the confusion is set down in this report is worthless as evidence both to the police and your insurance company. The proof that Brennan killed Patterson will be a matter for the courts to decide. The proof that Gloria Ann Patterson is guilty or not guilty of a fraudulent claim is a matter for you to decide. At any rate, she is a widow now. And I personally am convinced that she had no complicity in the matter of claims, murder, or collusion. Expense account item six, same as item one. Expenses from Wilmington to Hartford. Expense account total, $610.13. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: From Hollywood, it's time now for
1: John Lund as Johnny Dollar. This
4: is Oren Vance. Sent me up to Osnick seven years ago, remember?
1: Oren Vance. Oh, the the Zeman case?
4: Now you got it. Now, Della, I thought a lot about coming out and killing you. Instead, I'm going to do you a favor.
1: What's on your mind, Vance?
4: I did all my time, and people don't like to hire ex-cons you and I can work out
1: something. I haven't got any jobs, Vance.
4: not asking for a it job.
1: It sounds like double talk to me. I don't think you...
4: Don't you give me any routine, tell I've heard them all. You can help me and make yourself some money. It's legitimate. What
1: do you say? I don't know what it's all about.
4: Suppose I can come over and tell you.
1: Okay. I'll be waiting for you. <laughs>
3: John Lund in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Expense account submitted by special investigator Johnny Dollar to All States Insurance Company, Wilmington, Delaware. Attention, Mr. Don Freed, Chief Investigator. Since your office authorized me to conduct certain inquiries based on information supplied by Orrin Vance, I am billing you accordingly. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Baltimore matter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Expense account item one, 295. A phone call to Prisoner Dismissal Board at Sing Sing Prison, where I was informed that Orrin Vance had been released three days before the above date. He had completed seven years of a seven- to 15-year term for grand theft. It was an unparole release. The chaplain described him as a model prisoner with a better-than-average chance of remaining out of prison for the rest of his life. For that reason, I was willing to listen to his story when he showed up an hour later.
4: Hello, Della. You haven't changed a bit.
1: Come on in, Vance.
4: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Nice place you get. I like it. Sit down. Tell me what's on your mind. Dalla, look. Don't treat me like a con, even if I am one. Huh? I'll sit down. I'll have a smoke with you. I'll talk with you. Forget the other part for a while, will you please? Okay. That one? Nice. <sighs> Just a... everybody's doing that. Even my wife. Went over to see you the first day I got out. You know what? What? Katie wouldn't let me in the house. She gave me $40, told me to go out and get a decent job. Tell you she had it all worked out. Work hard, she said. Six months, if everything's okay and you're not in any trouble, you can come home to me and the kids. If not, she said, I'm gonna divorce you. What do you want me to say? Want you to offer me a seat. Invite me to sit out. Sure. Thanks again. You know. Thought about it a lot. You hadn't been out to get me seven years ago. I'd have had you over for dinner. Maybe we would have been friends. Maybe. Look, I can't get a job, and I'll have to go in business for myself. I need a steak. That's why I'm here to see you. I talked to you maybe 20 times while you were working on that Zeeman case, and I think I got to know you. I called you today because of what I saw of you then. I think you're an honest man. Thanks. You ever hear the Towner case in Baltimore? Towner Loan
1: Company in 1946? Yeah. Everybody's heard about that. Million-dollar
4: theft. The insurance companies still have a reward for information leading to the arrest and commission? It was never solved, I suppose they do. I can help you help them solve it for half of that reward. Can you? I know two of the men who did it. Two of the six men. I talked to one of them yesterday. I'll tell you who they are, where you can pick them up, but I want my name out of the picture. Can you fix that?
1: Yeah, probably. But I have to talk to the police sooner or later.
4: Oh, look, this is a good thing, Dollar. And all I'm asking is your promise to keep my name out of it. Tell me how good before I make any promises. That's fair enough. They had some of the serial numbers on part of the take. Here. This is one of the bills. Why don't you check it with them? Then we'll take it from here.
1: Spencer huh? account item two. $14.85. A long distance phone call to Chief Investigator Don Freed, All States Insurance, who verified that the serial numbers on the $10 bill Orrin Vance handed me tied in with the Towner Loan Company theft. I explained the information I had at hand and the source from which it had come, leaving out any mention of names. Freed talked with his boss and phoned me back half an hour later, giving me the go ahead. Okay, Vance, you're in business.
4: All right, how does it work?
1: You tell me who they are, I'll handle it from here. I mean the money part. When we have something, you'll get paid for it. All I've had so far is talk. This bill could have come from anywhere. You might have picked it up at a cigar counter.
4: Look, I got it from a man named Leonard Torpy. He lives in New York. He's one of them. Leonard Torpy? Yeah, I met him my second year at arsoning. He was up on an old petty theft charge. He did 18 months. Told me to look him up when I got out. This part may sound crazy, but we had a few drinks together in his place yesterday. I was weeping on his shoulder about all my hard luck, and he said, you think you got hard luck? Well, and then he marched me into the bedroom and showed me a stack of money in a bureau drawer. He said he couldn't spend it. He gave me one of the bills. Well,
1: Must have been pretty drunk out.
4: Yeah, it was. And I got to thinking about it. I checked the bill, found out it was in the town I me. I looked up the story in it. Torpy fits the description of one of the hold-up men right down the line. Now We'll see. You say you know two of them. Who's the other one? Harold King. Lives in Reno, Nevada now. Runs a filming station there. He used to come see Torpy on visiting days. I saw him several
1: times. What makes you think he
4: had a part in the town, I think? Just from what Torpy said while he was drunk and the general description of the other holdup up men in the story. See, while Torpy was drunk, he mentioned his old partner, Harry King. Told me where he was living and so forth.
1: Did he say anything about the holdup?
4: No. I told you I found that part for myself. But King is the other man. I'm sure of it.
1: King have a record?
4: I don't know anything about him.
1: Okay. Where'll you be?
4: I'll phone you. Two days be long enough. Oh, I should know something by then. Remember. My name's out of it. The police or anybody else. Sure. You afraid? Yeah. I'm a stool pigeon. Well, haven't you noticed?
1: I'd noticed. And it worried me. So I followed him when he left my place. I was buying a package of cigarettes at the corner drugstore while he boarded the streetcar for downtown. I tagged along in a taxi to the main business section, watched him get off and head for the bus terminal. I bought another package of cigarettes while he bought a one-way ticket to New York. In the half hour before departure time, I telephoned a private detective friend of mine, Pete Florian. He appeared at the bus terminal 15 minutes later. What's the rumble, Johnny? That man over there in the gray overcoat. His name's Oran Vance. Uh Uh-huh. He's on his way to New York right now. Maybe you better tag along, see that nobody kills him. Oh? Uh-huh. If what he told me is true, somebody might try to do just that. Stay close till he settles somewhere. I see. I haven't got any more to tell you, Pete, because I'm just starting to look into it. Find out where he's living there and contact me at this number. I'll let you know what to do then. All right. Anything else? Don't let him out of your sight, Pete. <laughs> Fence account item three, one hundred bucks. Retainer for private detective Pete Florian for explained purposes. I stayed at the bus terminal long enough to watch Pete board the New York bound bus and take a seat across the aisle for more advance. Mm -hmm. Item four, eight dollars and eighty five cents. Plane fare, Hartford to New York. Item five, four fifty, cab fare to hotel and then to Metropolitan Police Station where I explained my business to, uh, Lieutenant Randall. Who gave you this tip, Dollar? I'm afraid I can't tell you that, Lieutenant. Why not? Because I promised not to disclose any names. I can tell you that the source is a man who couldn't possibly have had anything to do with the case, since he was in prison at the time of the holdup. Mm Mm-hmm. But you want me to stick my neck out and get up a search warrant and maybe take this bird Torpy into custody on your say-so? Well, you have plenty to start with with that ten-dollar bill. Should be enough for you to look into it. That' why you look into it. Frankly, yes. Prima facie evidence. But no name. No name. I've told you all there is to know. Believe me. Let's get busy. mug folder on Leonard Torpy showed a balding 40-year-old man with a long record of theft and burglary. There was no record for a Harold King, although he was listed as an associate of Torpy's. Lieutenant Randall wired Reno authorities requesting they locate King and hold him for possible questioning. Once these preliminaries were accomplished, Randall and I went out to the address Orrin Vance had given me. But this turned up a blank. The landlady informed us that Mr. Torpy had lived there, but had checked out the preceding morning. No forwarding address. The good lieutenant and I parted company outside the apartment house, and I walked back to my hotel. I was going to change clothes and grab some dinner, but the clerk waved me over to the house phone. A call had just come in. Johnny Dollar.
4: Hi. Pete Florian, Johnny.
1: How'd it go? When
4: your boy got in town, I trailed him to a place on 155th Street. He's got a room with a view. He's up there now. Alone? You think so. Any visitors? Oh, light went out about an hour ago. Might be sleeping.
1: What's the number? Um, uh,
4: 680. It's room's in the back. First floor, number 10. Where are you? Drugstore, right across the
1: street. Expense account item 6, 160. Cab fare to the drugstore where Pete Florian was keeping a watchful eye on my nervous informer, Orrin Vance. I found the drugstore, but Pete was nowhere in sight. The girl behind the soda fountain recognized him by my description and said he'd stepped out a few minutes before. I glanced up and down the block and then spotted him standing just outside the shadow of a street light across the street. I walked over.
4: Hi, Johnny. That's the room back there. Lights on? He's got a couple of visitors in there with him. Showed up about five minutes ago. A car? Taxi. What they look like? One's thin, medium-sized, dark suit. The other's stocky, dark suit, too. Both in the early 40s. Chopin wears glasses. Didn't make either one. Here. Yeah. This one of them? Let me
1: see. Yeah, he's in there. What's his name? Leonard Torpy. We better go in. Okay.
4: Right back there. Yeah. Who's uh, Leonard Torpy?
1: That's somebody who might want to kill Vance.
4: wish I knew more about what this is all about, Johnny.
1: Yeah, so do I. It's all talk so far. You see. Better cover me. Come over there. Okay. Okay. Mr.
4: Vance? Who? Oh. Orrin Vance? You must have the wrong number, buddy. Nobody by that name lives here.
1: Well, are you sure?
4: Positive. Why don't you try the manager?
1: I did. He said Mr. Vance had this
4: room. and he's all wet. Good night. Just a minute, Toby.
1: What?
0: Hey! Shut get down!
1: Before I went down, I heard it go off a couple of more times. Must have been six inches from my head. My eyes couldn't see and my feet wouldn't move. But I could hear... There was someone very close to me. And he was dying.
2: Johnny? Johnny? Johnny!
3: We'll return to yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Sign up. Enroll now. Join the seven million strong... Who buy United States defense bonds through the payroll savings plan where they work? The bonds you buy help keep America strong, and now, Series E bonds earn more. They give you a quicker return on your investment. Through the payroll savings plan, you'll save the sure way, before you spend. So sign up, invest more in United States defense bonds. <laughs> Now, with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: I won't talk about my operation. I had one at the police emergency hospital. As a matter of fact, I had two. They prodded a 38 slug out of my neck and another one out of my shoulder. It was 48 hours before I was allowed to sit up in bed and talk. Naturally enough, my first visitor was Lieutenant Randall. He looked haggard, tired, worried. You say you hired this Pete Florian? Yeah, to keep an eye on Orrin Vance. Was this your tipster? It's okay to tell it now, I suppose. Yeah. Well, thanks. Florian died right there in the hall. Four slugs hit him. Vance is on the floor beneath. you, still hanging on. You keeping track of all this? What about Torpy? Did you get him? We didn't, but Florian did. Torpy's in the morgue. The other man got away. Quite a night. Yeah. Look, darling. You're the only one who can give me the story now. Vance isn't able to talk and won't be for another three days. If then, everybody else is dead or gone. Now, what happened there? Uh... I don't know. I didn't see anything, Lieutenant. I was trying to push into the room past Torpy and the whole world caved in. Any, uh, any line on the man who was with Torpy? Mm-hmm. Good descriptions, but no luck so far. He heisted a car outside Vance's place. Found it two hours later. No prints on it. Some blood. He might have one of Florian slugs in him. Yeah. We gotta land that bird. Hey. You all right? I felt awful. And Lieutenant Randall left me alone for the rest of the day. At 3.30 the following day, Orrin Vance regained consciousness long enough to relate what had happened. I was wheelchaired down to his bedside.
4: Statement enclosed. That was Harry King with Torpy. King flew here three days ago from Reno. He came to my place to find out what I'd done with the $10 bill torpy gave me when he was drunk. I told him I spent it. But they didn't believe me. It was King who shot me. I've got reward money coming. I'm not gonna die.
1: He was still hanging on two days later when I left the hospital. Spencer account item 7, $14. Ambulance ride. From emergency hospital to my hotel. Doctors told me to take it easy for a month and I'd be all right. I had a phone call a half hour after I started to take it easy. Johnny Dollar.
4: Are you interested
5: in finding Harry King? Who's this? My name's Melva King. I'm Harry's wife. Oh. You want him or don't you? Sure. I'm at trash Restaurant on 42nd Off-Broadway. Can you meet
1: me? Yeah. How'll I know you?
5: You won't, but I'll know you. You think has been in the paper? Hello, Mr. Dollar. Mrs. King? Yes. Hey, you look pretty weak.
1: I feel that way.
5: Maybe we better sit down.
1: The small, pretty brunette woman in the nice clothes looked like anything but the wife of a bank bandit and murderer. She looked more like a housewife on a shopping tour or a schoolteacher on a New York vacation. I listened while she cleared up some questions I had in mind.
5: There's a reward posted, isn't there, for that holdup in Baltimore?
1: $10,000, yeah.
5: Will I get it if I turn Harry over to the police? Sure. How much? Half. Oh, that isn't much for giving up your husband.
1: They'll get him sooner or later, Mrs. King. The other half spoken for her.
5: Oh, this Vance man? Yes. Wait, I'm just trying to figure it. What about you?
1: I'll pass it up.
5: $5,000 for Harry.
1: Providing he was tied in with the Baltimore holdup. That's what the insurance company's interested in.
5: He was in it all right. I want to get something else straight. What happens to me? What do you mean? I'm his wife. i he only had a part in that holdup for the last six months. I haven't said anything. Does that make me a party to it or something?
1: Well, you could have informed, but you couldn't have testified, being his wife.
5: I'm arraigned. I don't want to spend all the money hiring lawyers to keep me out of jail.
1: My company will cover that. Where's Harry?
5: Oh, not yet. What now? I'd better get something in writing from you. Something that says your insurance company will pay me the reward and give me help if I get in any trouble.
1: All right, I'll talk to him.
5: This time, I'm thinking of the future. I'm going to have one once this is over.
1: I hope so, Mrs. King.
5: I know so, Mr. Dollar.
1: Did Harry have money he couldn't spend,
5: too?
1: $45,000. Where is it?
5: I can give you that when I give you Harry.
1: Well, you thought of everything.
5: I tried to. Harry and that Torpy man were fools. All he ever got out of it was the marked bills. Worthless money.
1: You don't happen to know who the other four men were, do you?
5: No. I suppose that's what you'll ask Harry when you get him.
1: That's the idea.
5: <laughs> Poor Harry. How long will it take you to get things arranged?
1: Not more than an hour. I can do it by phone. I'll call you. Okay. I gave her a 50-second start before I left the table and went out in the street. I was just in time to see her climb into a cab. I was trying to hail one to follow her when a black coupe pulled up to the curb. Come on, Johnny. Hey. Hustle it up. Light will change. How do you feel? Terrible. What is this? When Vance told us it was King, we checked the airlines and found out he had his wife with him when he flew in from Reno. That is Mrs. King up there in that cab, isn't it? That's who she said she was. She wants to sell you her husband for part of that reward, doesn't she? Yeah. what's the delay? She wants to make sure she'll be handled all right. The money and all. Hmm. So did Vance. Don't needle me, Randall. I don't mean to. This all figures thought she might try to get in touch with you for just that reason. I don't get it. Well, that's why I put a man on your hotel. followed you when you came to meet her today, and then he phoned me. We looked her up. Her name was Melva Thaler before she married King. Her old man had a lot of money in Minnesota, but she couldn't keep herself out of trouble and got disinherited. Money's always been her problem. It's everybody's problem. Not the way it is with her. Now King's worth a lot of dough to her. If you pay off, he's no good to her now lying somewhere with a slug in him, and he hasn't been any good to her with the marked money he got in the town or holdup. There's something else, Randall. What? She's stalling me, I think. She said she didn't know who they were. But if she was lying and she does know who the others were in that town or holdup, King would be worth even more money. They'd want him dead instead of with the police talking his head off. That's right. followed Melba King's taxi for better than 45 minutes, all the way through the Holland Tunnel and into Jersey. She finally left it at a train station in Bucks County. We watched her buy a magazine and sit down in the waiting room and begin to read it. Fifteen minutes later, she stepped into the phone booth. When she came out, I went over to the filling station phone to see if she'd phoned my hotel. Well? She wasn't trying to get me. Well, that's it. She's contacted the others. She's going to sell to you or them, whoever pays most for him. Some operator, isn't he? Well, when you have time, look at the file we picked up on her. 16 arrests. One conviction for narcotics, and she's 18. Well, we'll see what we will see. Didn't take long. Cadillac pulled up at the station, Melva King stepped out on the platform and greeted the two men who were in it. She sat in the car with them, talked for a short time, then got back out. When the Cadillac hey, rolled away, Lieutenant 50, Randall was on the radio just, ordering three, seven, a pickup. Yale, 596. I'll pick him up right away. We'll stay with her. When Melva King caught another taxi, we were right behind her. She took her to an auto court about a mile from the station. We saw her go into the cabin marked D. Randall radioed in our location. We were about to check the auto court office when the door to cabin D opened. Standing beside Melva King in the doorway of the cottage was a pale, stocky man who looked as though his legs wouldn't support him another minute. Then she saw us get out of the car. You're hurt, King. You can't go far.
2: I've come this far,
3: and I'm still going to keep moving.
1: The Lord's baby, move. It was already far for her once you got back. Yeah. Boys, no, I
3: shouldn't. You especially. But
5: you'll be dead
1: now. now I... That's funny. I thought the same thing about you, King.
5: Please, don't do anything, please. Shut up. Oh, no.
1: Do... King, Listen to reason. I can tell you're hurt bad. You need help. Why don't you give it up?
3: How much were you going to give her for me, Dollar? I wasn't... How much? Tell me. Half of it.
5: Please, hey, Harry, And
2: I... how much
4: would
3: well, you and Al
2: to give? I didn't talk to oh, you. Oh, yes, you did. I
4: passed out this morning. You got real busy. How much
1: would be? Oh, no. You're dying yeah, on your can... feet, King.
3: Yeah. That's a good place to die.
1: On your feet. Maybe I won't make it. Feel stupid. This is gonna hurt.
2: No, Harry, P. No!
0: Yell if you want to.
1: King, don't add another one to the... (laughs) Let's get this over with. Spence account, item eight, same as item two transportation back to Hartford. Item nine, $85, doctor bills. Item ten, miscellaneous. Forty eight dollars while in New York. Expense account total, two hundred and ninety-four dollars and sixty cents. Remarks. As you know, the two men Malva King contacted were also part of the six who had held up the Towner Loan Company. They made a full confession and named the other parties involved. As far as the reward money goes, I think Oren Vance deserves his five thousand dollars. And I think Pete Florian's widow deserves my five thousand. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar
0: thanks for joining us at 1001 radio days your home for the best of golden age radio when radio was king if you enjoyed tonight's show please do take a moment and send us a review we always appreciate reviews and they help new listeners find us Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon. (music)